Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20, racing near sideline 10, turn of the 5, touchdown Raiders! The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just won, baby! Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. We're efforting Lincoln Kennedy, Raiders Radio Network. We're hoping to get him. DeMond's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio trying to make it work. If we catch him, we get him. If not, we'll hear from uh, Mac Hollins in the Raiders locker room coming up around 4.30. Also, Hunter Renfro in the Raiders locker room. Plus, since I uh, went all the way left field in the last segment, I'll uh, definitely get to offensive coordinator Mick Lombardi and also defensive coordinator Patrick Graham as they met with us today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. We'll meet with head coach Josh McDaniels tomorrow. Around 11.15, just got that notification, so we'll do that. And, of course, we'll have that for you here on the show. JT the Brick, he will talk to Josh McDaniels one-on-one like he does each and every Thursday. So you'll hear that either Thursday or Friday here on Raider Nation Radio 920. That'll be a good conversation. And then the Raiders will head out to Pittsburgh and get ready for a Christmas Eve game, the 50th year anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, a.k.a. the Immaculate Deception, like George Atkinson told JT, and I was able to sit there as a fly on the wall and be able to hear that conversation earlier today. Thought it was fantastic. Uh, the Raider Roundtable that we did record is uh, available right now, but I encourage you not to go listen to it or check it out on the YouTube until after 5. After 5, when the, this show gets wrapped up, uh, you can hear the audio version of it following the show right here on Raider Nation Radio 920, but as I mentioned, you can see the YouTube uh, video of it on the Raiders' YouTube, and that is available right now. George Atkinson, JT The Brick, and myself Lots of really good stuff. And, again, I just sat on the wall and listened in the control room while those two were talking and thought it was great. Sometimes that's part of the best conversation is just not having to say a word, sit back and listen to what's going on because that conversation and what George Atkinson had to say about the immaculate reception, that game, everything that it meant, what it meant to him and his teammates was absolutely fantastic. Also, the Raiders have a special coming up tonight on the Raiders' YouTube at 7 p.m. Pacific time on that game. And, again, they're calling it the Immaculate Reception because that's what it's coined. But George Atkinson, the great George Atkinson, uh, corrected JT a couple times earlier today and said, no, it's the Immaculate Deception. And I uh, love every minute of it. Thought it was great to hear from the great George Atkinson. So, DeMond, what is the, what is the, uh, the, the answer? What, what's, what's the dealie? <laughs> All right. All right. No, Lincoln. <laughs> Well, I'm going to stop scheduling Lincoln until we get a confirmation on what's going on with him. Uh, we've scheduled him three times now and have not heard from him. So, uh, all right, we'll just not, not worry about Lincoln, and maybe we'll catch up with them. Obviously not this week in the press box, but maybe I'll catch up with them and find out what's going on uh, around New Year's when, uh, when the Raiders are taking on the 49ers. So uh, we'll go ahead and uh, get one quick call on. I know we had uh, Bernard waiting on hold, so we'll go ahead and go out to the phone lines at 702 365 9200. We'll bring in Bernard, and then we'll get to some sound from Mick Lombardi and also Patrick Graham. Bernard, welcome to the show. Just real quick on, on this issue with communicating. Hey, Q, I'm close. I'm a little bit older than you, but I got daughters around Damon's uh, uh, age, and I'm like you. My personality would get me the girls when we went out. You know you know you, how they say parking lot pippin'? Sometimes you wouldn't yes. have money to get into the club, but yep. you wait for them to come out. And you talk to them. Yep. But nowadays, Q, our, st- our game, if we call the girls these days, they'd be like, why are you calling me all the time? So it might not work for us these days, and that's just how they communicate. I- I- I've had little parties over here with my daughter's friends over here. 
you think it'd be jumping, they'd be quiet and they'd be on the phone texting and they they sitting or standing right next to each other. So it ain't nothing wrong. The mom said it wasn't about him. It was the other guy, but that's just the world that these kids grow up in these days. And it is kind of sad, man. But you ask around, it's not that abnormal what the mom is talking about. That's just the way they, the way they communicate these days. That, that's too bad for them because uh, they, they miss out on a lot. They are. And Bernard, thank you for the call. And you're, you're not wrong. I know you're not wrong. And, and it's funny. My son actually did that to me one day. Uh, not anytime recently. It was probably like a couple years ago. We were in Texas and we had gone to this uh, waterfall or uh, water slide place called Schlitterbahn. And, um, he had got a wristband. We got these wrist. We got these free passes from the radio station, so we went every year. And uh, he got a wristband put on his wrist, but it was too too big, so he needed to get it adjusted. So he came up to me and said, "Dad, I need I need my wristband adjusted." And I said, "Okay, well, go tell the lady that put it on your arm that you need it adjusted." And he says, "Okay, what do I say?" And I said, "What do you mean? What do you say? What did you just tell me?" Well, I need it adjusted. I said, "Ding, ding, ding! Tell her the same thing." Okay. And that's when I knew. That's when I knew that there was a problem. I was like, wait a minute, man. These kids don't know how to communicate. That's the problem. And, and look, I don't mean to get on the old man soapbox, but I'm going to go there for a minute, right? I mean, we all do the GPS thing to get around town, but this is really going to sound old, Damon. But back in the day, we literally would stop at, like, the gas station and be like, hey, uh, I need to get to so-and-so. Can you tell me how to get there? And the actual person that worked there actually lived in the area and knew how to get there. So they'd be like, oh, yeah, go up the street. Make a right, da-da-da, and then boom, you're right there. Okay, cool. Now you go into a gas station and be like, hey, do you know how to get to so-and-so? They're like, oh, no, I'm not, a friend. I'm not from here. Well, what the hell are you doing? Oh, I don't know. But, of course, we have GPS, so it's a lot easier. But, man, the communicate folks, we, we do not. When Bernard said that people will sit around on their phones, I get caught up in that sometimes. Like, I'll be, I'll be at the house trying to relax, and the wife and Sarah will all be sitting around watching whatever's on TV. Normally it's sports. And then I'll look up, and the wife will be on her phone looking at Netflix. Sarah's looking at her phone. I'm on Twitter. And I'm like, what are we doing? You know what I mean? Like, why are all three of us in the same room together, but we're all looking at something else, and we're not working? You know, like, communication's gone, brother. It is absolutely gone. Pretty soon, radio's going to turn into, like, memes Woo. and texts and stuff like that. All right, Q, I just want to put a bow on this, and then we can get back to all the yeah, radio yeah, yeah, that we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't mean to, during, didn't mean to keep going. During the break, I asked three I asked three friends that are girls about this that are around my age, you know, so in that 26 to 27 area, and here are their responses. Kayla, we all know Kayla. She yep. said no, but I don't like talking on the phone in general, so I don't know. Maybe I'm not the best candidate We for had this. Kayla on the show. She didn't. Hey, she just doesn't like talking on the phone. All right. And then, <laughs> and then I text my former roommate, Audrey. Asked her. She said, depends the context. I said, it's not long distance, just a guy in Vegas getting to know you a little bit better. She says no. And then my friend Destiny She's the one outlier here. I mean, two out of three. So we got to say two out of three women in their mid-20s don't want to talk on the phone. She says, yes, I prefer phone over texting. It's more personal. Exactly. But I get it. The majority, and going back to Bernard's point, he's not wrong. That's what everyone does. I get it. I, I mean, we all know we book guests all the time, and how do we get a hold of them? We all text them. We don't, you know, it's very rare that we actually call a guest and be like, hey, so-and-so, this is Q. Can you come on my show this afternoon? I mean, we'll send a text. We will. Or we'll send an email. But more times than not, we'll send a text. But it's just crazy how we just don't communicate. And I'm just glad that I know how to communicate. Y'all don't even know how to communicate. Like Bernard said, you guys are missing out, man. That used to be the fun is the, is the whole conversation. And, yeah, she might not 
be a big talker on the phone, that's fine. She could listen. She could always listen. You could always talk. And look, that was always the thing. I'm telling you, man, I feel like I'm like teaching a class here. I should get paid for this. That was always the thing. They'll t- you could talk to them, but if you listen and listen to what they have to say, you'll also learn so much about them. Like I said, I don't understand how you, you know, like Bernard said and, and, and 901 Raiders said, man, it's like you want to hear and see what they got to say. They want to see the emotion on your face, and they want to see your reaction. Man, y'all are missing out. But, hey. That's, that's for you guys to do. I ain't got to worry about that. I'm good to go. When the wife gets home tonight, I'm going to talk to her. <laughs> I'm going to talk. <laughs> I might call her on her way home. <laughs> what are you doing, wife? Just wanted to call you. See how you're doing. Let's get into some other communication. How about Mick Lombardi, offensive coordinator and also defensive coordinator Patrick Graham. They met with us earlier today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ, and uh, want to go ahead and bring you a couple of the sound bites of what they had to say. I just got a couple from Mick Lombardi. Obviously, the Raiders offense basically uh, turned into nothing in the second half. They couldn't even pick up a first down, let alone score some points, but still found a way to pull out the game. One guy, one guy who seems like he's really became a big-time target for Derek Carr is Mac Hollins. He's a guy that came to the Raiders as a special team ace, and he was a guy that's also had some red zone targets. You go back and look at his career, he's had a bunch of red zone targets. Even his last team, the Miami Dolphins, they hit him multiple times in the red zone because of his big body. But he was kind of forced into action because of Hunter Renfro being out and Darren Waller being out. He has really developed into a guy that Derek Carr is very comfortable throwing the ball to. So here's Mick Lombardi earlier today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center talking about Mac Hollins and what he's brought to this Raiders offense. Yeah, I think Mac has done a great job in terms of giving the tough some toughness to the offense and some dependability. You know, tough, smart, dependable. We always preach about it all the time. And I think, you know, Mac Collins is a good is a good example of that. And again, your role is what you make it, right? So he came in here and everybody was given the same opportunity Mac had. And he came into the he came into the system and, you know, took advantage of it, knew what to do, knew how to do it, and tried to do it the best in every play. And then that you guys have seen that role grow the Hall of Fame game the following preseason games. And then obviously opening day, he had a certain role where it was, you know what, hey, I'm going to go block some safeties. Hey, I'm going to make sure I run this route at a certain depth and be the option here. You know, and so he's done a really good job of that. And just overall, I really can't speak highly enough about Matt Collins in terms of the leadership he's provided for the offense, in terms of not just in terms of vocally, but also in terms of week in, week, week, week out, being the most dependable guy and being the same player every single week. So Matt Collins right there is what uh, offensive coordinator Mick Lombardi was talking about and what he brings to the table and how he's really came into the team and, and came to the team with an opportunity and made the most of his opportunity, right? He's a special teams captain. Uh, he's a guy that's always down there. He's playing a lot of snaps. Uh, he doesn't want to come off the field. He's very well conditioned. So you got to give him a lot of credit for that. Is he always in the right place? Is he always running the right route? Not necessarily. But, again, forced into action when – he didn't expect to be basically a number two, and he is. And a lot of times, and sometimes I'll be sitting in the press box and say, man, Mac Hollins sure is getting a lot of targets, right? I mean, he's one of those guys that Derek Carr goes to and is very comfortable. And we all know Derek Carr doesn't throw the ball to, to wide receivers that he's not comfortable with. Mac Hollins, he's very comfortable with. Going out to the phone lines now, let's bring in our good friend Lincoln Kennedy. Feels like we haven't talked to him in a while, but Lincoln, thank you so much for your time, my man. I do appreciate you. And we were just talking about Mac Hollins and how he's developed a really good relationship with Derek Carr. How much have you seen him grow with D.C. so far this season? Well, I think the truth of the matter is that Derek is making the right reads when he tries to go to him. Because, let's face it, 
teams are going to take the you're going to try to take Devontae Adams or the the, the the pattern that Derek has created for himself when it comes to his reads, they're going to take that away and force him to either hold on the football or try to go elsewhere. So I, I think it's a good thing. It's, it's the right thing to do. Like Matt Collins has come along, and then like we saw in the last game, you know that big catch, touchdown catch by Cole was huge. He went back to him after a couple times during the season. You know Cole had dropped a couple of balls. So um, that that's good to have the trust in your receivers and try to find a way to use them because they're they're a vital part of the offense. Yeah, and, and forced into action, Lincoln, because Darren Waller was out so long and Hunter Renfro was out, and so they just kind of stuck with it. And even Keelan Cole, as you mentioned, he's dropped the ball multiple times. But in that moment, and that was a huge moment for him, came up with a big catch and still was able to get his feet down, uh, regardless of what anybody thinks, it was called a touchdown on the field. The greater thing was that, that he was able to get his feet down, and it, it was the right read. The defense mm-hmm. had shifted over to take a, Devontae Adams away and to take Darren Waller away because they know that's what the Raiders have shown their pattern in the past, or Derek Carr's pattern has been in the past. So having single uh, single coverage, the, the corner was playing high. He was playing soft and off, and he did not, you know, bump on the initial. And Cole got a step on him, got behind him. It was the right thing to do. It was the right read, and Derek made an accurate throw. And, and like I said, the best thing for it was Cole was able to get his feet down in time in order to make it a touchdown. It was a touchdown. There you go. There you go. Lincoln Kennedy here with us on Unnecessary Roughness, Rare Nation Radio 920. Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, they made their return on Sunday after being out for the majority of the season. What did you see from those guys? A little rust. A little rust getting back in the offense. Look, there's still, you know, the Raiders have got a number of receivers that are good at what they do. And, and Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, Devontae Adams, those are all, you know, the three main ones. Mm-hmm. But there hasn't been because they haven't consistently played together, in my opinion, good route discipline. And what I mean by that is there, you know, in case in the last game, you know, there was a time where Darren Wallace stretched out for a ball that was intended for, for Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. We've seen that a couple times this year. Remember the Tennessee game? Yep. Uh, you, you can't say who was right and who was wrong because you don't know the pattern. But there's got to be better route discipline and route distribution and, and understanding that if these things cross up or these areas cross up, who the ball is truly intended to. And that only comes with chemistry, playing together. It comes in time, and it's going to take some time to do that. So do you think that they're able to develop that chemistry, you know, over the course of the next three games, whereas, like you know, saying that that's going to be really important for them, these final three games, to see what they look like in this offense? I, I, I think the chemistry might be hard to equate after, over the last three games, but you got to do a better job of coaching and route discipline when people are in there. So let's, let's figure this out here. The Raiders have have a tendency that when they're in the the red zone or red zone fringe, that they want to they want to run a seam route to their tight end. In the past, it's been Foster Moreau, and because Darren Waller hasn't been there, the touchdown pass that Darren Waller caught that was a seam route. That's that's what they do. They want their tight ends to be able to stretch the center part of the field, either stress a safety or a linebacker that is undersized and can't cover. They want to throw it to the goalpost, and that's how Darren Waller got that touchdown. So, you know, those plays that are specifically designed to get the ball to specific people, we all know they're part of this offense. It's those it's those jumble plays where the initiative of the receiver, the prospective receiver is taken away, where you have to go to your secondary, your third option. That needs better route distribution. So the Raiders have got to do a better job of coaching and developing that route di- distribution so you don't have two guys in the same area at the same time. Great breakdown right there. That's Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And I say roughness. Go ahead, Damon. 
What did you see in the second half from the Raiders' defense that allowed the Patriots to start to make that comeback? Because after the Ramon Jerry Stevenson touchdown, Jason Horowitz says, oh man, not again. After the two-point conversion, you point out how some of Raider Nation is leaving the building. What did you see from the defense that allowed the Patriots to attempt that comeback? Well, it's not so much attempt to come back. The Patriots are good at physically up front. And the thing is, is that the Raiders' defense, the way it's designed, once you break the line of scrimmage, there's very, there, there's not much left behind it. Um, and, and they were able to do that. They were able to assignment and block and run block, and that's how they got back in the game. They crawled back in the game because they were able to run the ball effectively. And then, so what did you see? Like, obviously, they were running the ball effectively, but did you think they did a good enough job of not so much shutting down Mac Jones because you didn't like the play calling, but what did they do effectively in the pass off in the pass defense? Well, Mac Jones, in my opinion, can't hit the ball side of a bar. I was surprised he was drafted in the first round. Um, he's not a very accurate quarterback. Once you get outside the hashes, they tried to show that. They showed that off in the first half when they when they were throwing very simple out routes and he couldn't complete. He's not he's not very accurate. Um, but the thing is, is that if you're, if you're complimented by a run game, it allows you to open up things with the pass, out pass option. The Raiders defense had some breakdowns in the secondary, most notably on the, the long route, the seam route in the second half. They, they tried the same route in the first half and the Raiders didn't cover it then either. So they've had some communication breakdowns with versus those type of formations. They've got to do a better job at that. But overall, you know, I think the Raiders defense is coming into its own. It's, it's one of those things where we talk about chemistry. They're learning how to play together. They're learning how to fit together. More importantly, Patrick Graham knows from the personnel how he can do, how, what he can do, and what he what, what they, they can be capable at. Um, putting you know Nate Hobbs in there obviously is, is a good Amik but big putting him in that situation rather than Webb and some of the other people they had to deal with um, or use in those situations because of injury has has really given the defense a little bit more bite. Lincoln Kennedy is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. Necessary roughness. One thing I was concerned about going into the game was the offensive line because, well, the Patriots have a really strong defensive line, and they sacked the Cardinals six times on Monday Night Football. Yeah. And then Dylan Parham goes down. And so now you have Meredith in, you have Grasso in. Grasso had been having penalties, getting blown by. How much was that yeah. banged-up offensive line uh, the reason why the Raiders struggled so much in the second half to score or move the ball? It was a big part of it. It, it was yeah. a big part of it. And another big part of it is that the, the Patriots made adjustments to the, the, their pattern of behavior. Like when Derek Carr would come up to the line, and you could hear him say, you know, number eight is the mic. And you saw the mic and the will switch positions. You know, it, there wasn't a good enough communication amongst the offensive line up front that who were, who were the threats. The thing was is that they weren't going to blitz number 45. They were going to blitz number eight. He's faster. And they, they did that same mic dog three, four times in the game. The Raiders never picked it up. It always forced Derek out of the pocket to scramble and, or, or got set. So, you know, they've got to do a better job of communicating. But when you're dealing with two, you know, sort of definitely it's two um, um, replacement guards, not two non-starters, right. your, your substitutions, the center has to do a better job of communicating who's the most dangerous. The offensive line is responsible for the four down and the most dangerous backer, the five most dangerous. You have to understand when you go into a game like that, it's the four down lineman and it's number eight. In, in wherever he switches, number eight is going to be the mic. It, just because he switches position doesn't change it. And that's why, you know, I thought there was a lot of times where, where Derek was, was doing a little too much and maybe kind of confusing the guys because they never picked up that blitz. What did you see from the pick six by Kyle Duggar? A read that what happened, the pattern of Raiders, whenever there's soft coverage, mm -hmm. not whenever, 
most of the time when there's soft coverage on uh, Devontae Adams, the corner is playing off. Derek just picks up. It's a play that he 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 determines sight sightlines. Mm-hmm. He determines. He he sees that it's a soft coverage. He's trying to get the ball to Devontae Adams. With the with the with the the corner off, he's thinking he can make a move at least get five yards, whatever. Duggar came down. He read he read Derek's eyes. He saw the soft coverage. He came down in the space to safety. He was actually coming down for run support help. But he read he read Derek Carr's eyes, and when Derek stood up and threw that ball, he jumped in front of it. Yeah, he did. I mean, he did, and all of a sudden then is when I said, oh, boy, game on. Here we go again. Yeah, yep, exactly. Here we go again. That's exactly what I said. Lincoln Kennedy is our guest here on Red Nation Radio 920. Well, Lincoln, we know how it closed out. We heard the call from you and Jason Horowitz when Chandler Jones closed it out with a crazy play that I never thought I'd see, especially from a Bill Belichick-led team. What was going through your mind when that final play happened? New England has been regarded for the last couple of decades as the most disciplined team in the National Football League. And to see something like that was absolutely mind-blowing, jaw-dropping. I mean, I can't find enough words to describe it. I, I would never have thought I would have seen that out of a New England team. And, and I know, I know in, all, in all honesty that it was just two young guys trying to make a big play. Mm-hmm. It, it was, it was, but it was a lack of discipline. It was a it was a poor judgment call that cost them, and I'll, I'll be interested to see if those guys are too, with the team next year or as the season closes out. Because I I think Belichick has, has been one where he gets rid of guys like that, and yep. that's who could be a costly move. But you know the the fact is is that what's funny is that we were speechless, Jason and I. I know I was speechless. Jason did it all when he described it. I just I'd never seen anything so <laughs> something something like that. But when I listened to the the New England. Um, the, the radio, the radio, the radio call, and and I saw, I heard Zolak said that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen, and and then you, you heard uh, the Westwood One, you know, ESPN radio, whoever did it, uh, their call was just like you got to be kidding. Every every color commentator said that what the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. The Raiders will take it when it's all said and done, but you know it's it's really it, it's foolish for a number of reasons and the biggest reason that i can say is that new england had taken all the momentum back yes the raiders did march down and get a touchdown and and you can call it like you wanted 50 50 you know been lucky to get that and yeah but new england had stolen all the momentum they had a plan that suffocated the raiders offense in the second half and that's why the game became like it did and just to go overtime you know coaching wise Either Matt Patricia or Bill Belichick should have said, or even Mac Jones, just down the ball. Right. We yep. got this. Let's take our chances. We 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 we've, we've harnessed. We've taken out the, the the wind of their sail. So just just down the ball. Why were they even running plays to begin with? Was foolish to me. Yeah, something that I also wanted to ask you about was that offensive play calling because on the broadcast where they basically threw it in the red zone three times in a row without running the ball or even attempting a QB sneak, you basically were calling out the dumb play calling. So what do you think about seeing Matt Patricia up close and, per- up close and personal calling a game? Well, look, it's foolish to me because you saw the way the Patriots offensive line was pushing around the Raiders in the second half, right? The fact that you're down on the one-yard line and you just try to throw it three times? Right. What, what what is that? You know, so so. But I think that's that's what happened when you have an inexperienced coach trying to make decisions. And look, there was no secret they kept about it. You know, Mike Jones has said he did not like the play calling. He he was he was frustrated with a team that didn't hire a true offensive coordinator and the way they were going about it. But you know, that's their problem, their issue. It's just that I we see a tendency 
throughout all games. It's not just Raider games. Every game where I think a coach tries to overthink things, mm-hmm. where you try to play into the analytics or whatever, just do what's simple. It, it's not a hard game. It really isn't. And so when you get down on the one-yard line and your six-inch line, and you've got that big offensive line, and you go from shotgun, you try to throw the football time three times, why? Yep. Yep. <laughs> I mean, why? Simple. Yep. <laughs> so it, it, it's just foolish to me. And one thing, the last thing I want to ask you about is you finish off your portion of the broadcast by saying, tuck that. How much do you still not like the Patriots? That's uh, no secret. I still don't like the Patriots. And, look, I feel that I was on the field when, when Tom Brady and the Patriots got their start as far as their Super Bowl runs and their dynasty for two decades. They controlled you know, a lot of the NFL, uh, that was the call that I, I think that went the opposite way. And so when you, when you have the, the, the long sort of, uh, look at, at Cole's touchdown and decide whether or not it's, he's in or out. In the past, I felt that those calls had gone against the Raiders. Yep. Agreed. But since it went for the Raiders, I was really surprised. It was the right call. Cause every, the angles that I saw, you couldn't definitively say that he was out of bounds. It was right. the right call. So they got it right. I will give them, commend them that. But it's it, in the in the past, it's worked against the Raiders. So there was there was a sort of a sense of you know uh, validation at the end when you know when when Jason and I were talking with JT the post game show, and you know I just thought about it. You know what? Tuck that. How about that? <laughs> you tuck that, New England, because that's what you get. All the Patriot fans that were making noise, staying around. You know, I feel sorry for the Raider Nation fans that didn't witness it and or heard about it on the news, but they stayed there, they wanted to stay there, had fun. It was validation because up until that point, we hadn't beaten the Patriots since the last time I played, and that was a long ass time ago. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. And, and you know what? That was a great way to sum it up, man. Tuck that. I Man, I loved it. Uh, that was a great call by you and Jason. You guys are doing a fantastic job. Thank you so much for your time, Lincoln. We'll catch up with you on Thursday if that's good with you, and we'll talk about the uh, we'll talk about the the game on Sunday on Saturday. Excuse me, on Christmas Eve. Uh, of course, the 50th anniversary of uh, of the Immaculate Deception, according to George Atkinson. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I look forward to it, guys. All <laughs> right, there one. he goes, Lincoln Kennedy, the great Lincoln Kennedy, giving us some time there. We definitely appreciate him. As always, there you go. Uh, wasn't sure we were going to be able to get him, but we got him, so good. And then there you go. We'll uh, seal the deal with him on Thursday. We'll look forward to Christmas Eve's game, talking all things Pittsburgh and talking all things Raiders with Lincoln Kennedy. 426 is the time. When we come back, we'll go inside the Raiders' locker room. We'll hear from Mac Hollins. We'll hear from Hunter Renfro. We'll hear from you. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Tell you what, man, there's been a lot of conversation on today's show. We had a little bit of this, a little bit of that, mixed up with this and mixed up with that. It's been a lot of fun. We just finished hearing from Lincoln Kennedy. We're able to catch up with him. He gave us his uh, thoughts on the game on Sunday, and that's official like a referee's whistle. After today, we can put a bow. We can close the shop on everything Patriots Week 15 action and look forward to Week 16 when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So we'll start to get a preview of that team coming up tomorrow on the show, Thursday on the show, Friday on the show. Then we'll head into the weekend, and, of course, you get the primetime action, Raiders and Steelers. Sir Whiskey Ray hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Q&D. Back in my junior high, high school, and San Jose State days, I was all about spitting game with confidence. I wrote the player's book, and the most interesting man in the world was my student, 
Nowadays, these kids need to be taught what confidence is and how to talk like a man to the ladies. Come on, put your rollerblades on and we'll hit the strip hunting for some fun. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray. There you go, Demond. As you sit in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio and just shake your head. I'm not going down to the strip looking for anything with anybody. <laughs> Every- <laughs> you lost me when you said, we'll hit the strip. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know. I got to side with you on that one. I got to side with you, man. I very rarely frequent the Strip, only when folks are in town and they, and they insist that we go to the Strip. Speaking of guys in town, my man Lex is in town from uh, Texas. I might have to go link up with him a little bit later. Just when Wendy hit us up and said, this reminds me of a Will Smith movie, Experience Game Mentoring. That's Just when Wendy. I guarantee you. I guarantee you, DeMond, if we had extra time, we get Just Wendy, win Wendy on the horn, man. She'll tell you. She'll tell you about game. Just when Wendy wasn't on an app talking to other dudes, you know what I mean? Like, Wendy was talking. You know. You know just when Wendy. We we hang out with her. She's all about the conversation. She ain't about none of that app and texting and all this other stuff. She about that conversation. Got a text from Mailman Raider. Cue this whole convo about communicating over the phone. Then I realize all I do is text the radio station. And that's okay, Mailman Raider. That's okay. This is what texting is for. This is how you ideally use texting is to communicate with us. You're not trying to date Damon. You're not trying to date me, right? You're not trying to get to know me better. We're doing a good job of talking, to, of sharing our personality. The thing that blows my mind about the whole conversation that we had, and now I realize why I really went off about it, because you talked about Damon, how much you. You know, you just kind of use the app or you can send a meme. But your personality, you have such a large personality and you have and you're actually a funny dude, not just funny looking, but you're a funny dude. I felt like, man, you're you're missing out on so many opportunities if you just, you know, shared some of your personality with someone that's not, you know, over the radio through a microphone or sitting in the family Cadillac performance studio. You might get somewhere. That's all. I'm looking out for you. I will say this. When I did my little quick survey amongst my friends, when Destiny said that, oh, she prefers somebody to talk over the phone, I did have that split second. If that's all I need to do is call you on the phone. (laughs) (laughs) That's all it took? Damn it, Q, why didn't you tell me that a long time ago? (laughs) I know that's right. I know that's right. That's fantastic right there. Or like my brother Freddie Coleman would say, that is tremendous. He'd say that with his all deep voice. That is tremendous there, Q Myers. <laughs> he's, he's a funny dude. Uh, love me some, uh, some Freddie Coleman. All right, let me go back to the text line real quick. Don'tBeBroke.com text line uh, 510 said, Rodney Hudson spoiled us. James is nowhere near the class of player he was. No push in the run game, average in the pass game, can't pick up stunts and blitzes. The center's supposed to be the help, and James has been a liability. And, you know, that's going back to what Lincoln Kennedy was talking about. Especially when there's other guys in, like a Jordan Meredith and a Grassu in. Yeah, the, I mean, Andre James, a lot of that's going to fall on him, right? Rodney Hudson is the quarterback of the offensive line when he was there. And so he was the guy. He was so smart. He was able to pick up things, and he was supposed to communicate and did communicate with the rest of the offensive line. It's not just about snapping the ball. As the center, you have so much responsibility. So that's a really good text because you're right. Andre James has to continue to develop or somebody else Will, I don't believe that Josh McDaniels and company is going to allow someone to be a liability, like you mentioned, along the offensive line. Um, and one more quick text, and then we'll get to Matt Collins in the locker room. Raider, <clears throat> excuse me, Raider Fish and Berkeley said, this game is supposed to be sold, not told, but it also should be sought, not bought. 
if we if we have a game topic on the radio, put me back on. I'll put some stuff down Bay Area style where you can see it on the radio. Uh, I'm sure Raider Fish and Berkeley Demond can really take you to school. Everything will be in rhymes, so you'll have to you'll have to make sure you keep up. But everything will rhyme and everything will have some kind of you know the he'll sound like the Mac. And I know you probably haven't seen that movie way back in the day, the Mac. Uh, I'm sure sure you'll you will, you haven't seen that, but he'll say he might sound like Sugar Free or. Rapping Fote or somebody like that back in the day. But, yeah, Ra- Raider Fisher Berkeley, I can imagine that he would absolutely give you a, a, a run for your money. So thank you so much for those texts. A lot of good stuff. Definitely appreciate that. Let's go into the Raiders locker room, though. Uh, we had plenty of guys that we caught up to in the locker room, including Mac Hollins, who had a big touchdown catch. He's always a dog on special teams, uh, get, uh, down the ball, deep in, in, in the Patriots' territory. Matter of fact, had him starting at the two-yard line. Really great punt from A.J. Cole, and Mac Hollins got down there and made the play, as he does quite a bit. So here's Mac Hollins and Vinny Bonsignor up in the Raiders locker room. Where were you on the sideline? It was this whole sideline. Side yeah. side just on the field. You better check the tape. I was back there at safety on the last play. <laughs> okay. What's on you boys? Sideline. I'm hey, the last time watching the ball. Yeah, no, I was, I was, uh, I was deep. Hey, since we deep ball, uh, so I got to watch it pretty nice. Oh, so you were out. That's what you're talking about. You I'm seeing the running back come towards me, and I'm like, ooh, I'm going to have to make a play. And they start lateraling it, and then I, was, I don't know who it was, maybe uh, Meyer or something. It was. And I said, ooh, that's, a, that's quite the throw. And I saw Chandler, and honestly, I said, Chandler, you better lateral to somebody faster. He did it on his own, so I'll take it. Did you see the, the? Were you able to see the stiff arm? Have I didn't really see. I just saw. I guess was it uh, Mac? Yes. All I saw was him in front of him. And I, that's when I was like lateral, and then I just saw him on the ground. Keep running. I said, "Don't lateral, go." We'll take. You guys talk all the time about, and everybody does, playing through zero 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 on the clock. Uh, this was zero zero, and then some because it was yeah. it was on zero literally. Yeah. Uh, but what kind of message did that send? Um, to, to play through it like that. Yeah, I mean, I think the guys who say it's like, it seems like we always put ourselves in those situations, like we got to fight to the end. And it's great to see that the guys are never quit. There's never any quit. Obviously, you'd love to be up by 100 and right. win the game and not have to worry. And that's not football. It's National Football League. You know, it's designed for everybody to go 500, for every game to be tough right. and close. For us to fight past 60 minutes is, is great. You guys are still alive. You got some help that you needed. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the fact that you want it like that and stay alive, yeah. how pleasing is that? Or- I think it's great. I, feel, I think the main focus is like it's, it's, you worry about yourself. Uh, and I've been in the league a few years, and I've been on teams where you start focusing on, all right, well, so-and-so does this. Right. And then we end up letting something slip, and we ruin it all right. ourselves. So if you just control your your own, your own little world and that let everything else fall in place, so be it. So if we you know, win the next game, next game, next game, that's all you can think of. Right. I can't. Oh, well, so-and-so does this, and they right. lose by this, and win this. Right. I'm not a mathematician. I'm a football player. Right. <laughs> Matt Collins, I'm not a mathematician. I'm just a football player. And he's 100% right, though. You have to just focus on the game that you have. You start worrying about, well, this team has to lose, and let's scoreboard watch here and there. Then you're going to let a team slip right past you and, and win a game that they shouldn't win. They have no business winning, like the Colts beat the Raiders or the Saints beat the Brakes off the Raiders or the Jaguars coming back on the Raiders, right? You have to have 100% focus. It is too hard to win games in the National Football League to not be 100% focused on the task at hand. And in Meg Holland's personal experience last year with the Dolphins, they were 1-7 Getting into week nine, and then they went on a seven-game win streak. They went to be eight and seven, 
They lose to the Tennessee Titans. They go 8-8. Eight and eight. They win the last game of the season, but they still don't make the playoffs. So yep. I'm thinking that last season is exactly what he was talking about. You're on a seven-game winning streak, and you're thinking, hey, if we do this and we do that. So he know, he's the best person to ask because it just happened to him last season. You don't want to look too far ahead in the schedule. No doubt. No doubt about it. Great point that you brought up. Rob in Oakland hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. All of us old heads could be giving this talk to ourselves when we were 26 years old. Poor DeMond is getting an avalanche of 20-plus years of experiences from success and failures from all of us, but none of what I'm hearing is wrong. That's from Rob in Oakland. And I'll tell you, man, the one thing I can say about myself, and I can't speak for nobody else but myself, the one thing I never had a problem doing in life, and obviously we all see what I do for a, for, for a job, my profession, I never had a problem communicating. Man, I was the best talker. I couldn't do no homework. Well, I just didn't do any homework. I didn't do a whole lot of things that I was supposed to do. But when it came to talking, it didn't matter if it was in class, out of class, this, that, and the other. I could talk, right? I was always going to talk. So that was always the preferred method by me. So, I, man, if you get me, if, if I, if, it's almost like what I say now. If you give me an opportunity, I'm going to, I'm going to maximize that opportunity. If you just allowed me to get that opportunity to get you on the phone and communicate just a little bit with you, I'll take my chances. If I fail, I fail. But, I, hey, you know what? The confidence level was always 150%. There was never a lack of confidence. If I had an opportunity to get you on the phone, I felt like I was going to seal the deal just like that because, well, the personality was going to shine. I sure didn't have to worry about no app, no writing no messages on no apps and all that other stuff. I didn't do none of that, man. It was all conversation. How many times did we have conversation in traffic? How many times did we pull up at a light and we look over and be like, oh, man, homegirl looks good. Hey, girl, where you window down real quick? Hey, what's up? Womp, 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 womp. Let me get them numbers, but I'll call you in a little while. All right, cool. Da, 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 da. You know what I mean? Like, even that, as sad as that sounds, DeMond, we did it. We did it all the time. 442 is the time. We'll take a quick break. Come back. Hear from Hunter Renfro inside the Raiders locker room. We'll close things out. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Got Raiders Roundtable coming up at the top of the hour. JT the Brick, George Atkinson, and myself. JT and George had a fantastic conversation. I definitely encourage you to stick around and listen to that. I just was part of the show. <laughs> just me and JT. I wanted to be known. The, the show that was the show was JT and George. It was fantastic stuff. I definitely encourage you to stick around and listen to that. Again, it's coming up at 5 o'clock. You can check it out on the Raiders' YouTube page. And at 7 o'clock tonight, they also have a special of the Immaculate Reception where they'll go through it, break it down, uh, different players uh, that were there involved in it, talking about it. Just really good stuff. 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Raiders' YouTube. You can check that out as well. So plenty of Raiders content for you following this show. Uh, we've had a lot of good stuff that we've talked about on the show today, heard from players in the Raiders' locker room. We'll continue to do that. Before we do, though, I do want to go over the injury report. I just got hit up on Twitter saying, Q, was there no practice today? No, there was no practice today, but they did put out an injury report today, tomorrow, and on Thursday. Uh, also tomorrow we'll talk to head coach Josh McDaniels and get an update on some of these guys if he feels like, especially the offensive linemen, if he feels like they could possibly come back and play on Saturday like Alex Bars and Dylan Parham. If they had practiced today on the injury report, they would not have participated. Uh, so both those guys, both dealing with knee injuries. Parham left the game on Sunday with a knee injury. Bars has been out now for a little while. 
with the knee injury. Also, did not participate. Jackson Barton, uh, offensive tackle, dealing with a back injury. Also, did not participate. Cornerback Rocky Asin, dealing with a knee injury. He's been out for a while now. And then running back Zamir White was a new a new entry on the injury report with an ankle injury. Would not have participated either. Safety Deron Harmon, dealing with a shoulder and neck injury, would have been limited. Darian Butler, the linebacker, would have been limited, dealing with a quadricep injury. And Andrew Billings, the defensive tackle, dealing with a fibula injury, would have been limited. And uh, Jermaine Illuminor, dealing with a wrist injury, was a full participant in practice today. So, again, we'll get another injury report tomorrow and also one on Thursday. Now let's go back inside the Raiders' locker room real quick, and uh, let's hear from the slot machine. Uh, Let's hear from Hunter Renfro. He made his return to the lineup just like Darren Waller did on Sunday and came up with a big catch. Uh, It's just nice to see Hunter out there. So here's Hunter Renfro following the game. On the uh, sideline, what was your vantage point? I was over, you know, sitting with the receivers, and we were getting ready for overtime, right? Right. We were – we were actually talking, uh, I think Derek was over there, and we were kind of talking like, you know, because Coach McDaniel's big on situations, and we were like, all right, what, what situation is this? And kind of talking to him, if we were on offense, and uh, and they kind of hit it out there, and, and he threw it back, and immediately I was, I was, you know, thinking, is this the time for that? And uh, Chandler caught it, and I thought he was going to pitch it back to, right. it was a DP or somebody was standing back there, but uh, Chandler looked good running and scoring touchdown. Did you see the uh, the stiff arm? Oh, yeah, that was textbook right there. <laughs> That's what you work on. <laughs> um, you, you, know, you guys always talk about playing through to the final 0 0 0. This one took zero and then a little bit, but yeah. what's the message? Yeah, I mean, it me was and, like. Me and Mac were actually talking on the sideline there, and, and I looked at him, and we were like, we see some wild stuff right, right before the play. And because uh, Amico almost picked it off, right, and uh, to have that happen was was pretty cool and special. But uh, yeah, I mean, you keep battling, keep fighting, and um, you know we've had enough of them going the other way this right. year, so it's finally get one. Hunter Renfro in the Raiders locker room following the game, and you know you hear him talking about uh, him and Derek was sitting there, and I don't know if you've seen the video, but the Raiders put it out, and they they kind of timed it up with uh, Jason Horowitz's call. It's a little mashup. It's a really cool little video that they put out where Derek and Hunter are looking up at the Jumbotron, and Derek actually described this following the game uh, in the media session. He said, I was looking at the Jumbotron. I wasn't even looking at the field, and it's like, okay, this is happening. All right, there's a pitch. Oh, there's a lateral. Oh, my, there's Chandler Jones. And so you see their reactions. It was really good, really well done by the Raiders. So uh, when Hunter says that he was kind of looking up with Derek and everything, they weren't really worried about it, he's not lying. And the other thing about it that really stood out to me from that, what he had to say to Mon was the fact that he was talking about, you know, Josh McDaniels is big on situations. So they said, they said, the players said, what situation is this? Right. So that just shows you, again, what Josh McDaniels is working on and trying to make sure that the players are fully aware of all situations. So I thought that that was kind of a big deal that he brought that up himself that, hey, what situation is this? Yeah. Coach Mick Lombardi, he mentioned it when he was at the uh, lectrum today as well, where it's, hey, we preach situational football. He says Mm -hmm. that, you know, obviously he's on the offensive end, so he has no, you know, Obviously, you know, he can't speak on the Patriots, what they're teaching over there. But situational football is so important to preach to the team. And he didn't say tell them about or, you know, it's something that we try to talk about. You preach to the team situational football. Right, exactly. And so it's funny, you know, when you you think about the the Patriots. And again, I I don't want to praise them, but I mean, it's just so weird seeing a team that is known for being very disciplined and, and, and being on top of their game to get caught up in that moment. And again, like Lincoln said when he joined us, he's like, hey, those are two young guys trying to make plays. I totally get that. I really do. I, I, I don't 
blame them for just saying, hey, you know what, that was a big gain. Maybe we could take it to the house and end this thing. I don't blame them for that at all, right? We talk about playmakers all the time. It's just funny and strange that a, a Patriots team did that. I mean, you think about this, right? One of, something, one of the big Achilles heels for Derek Carr that a lot of people have talked about is him trying to run to the end zone and stretch out the ball and try to stretch it over the, the goal line, and then it gets knocked out of his hand, goes out of bounds, and it's a touchback. And, you know, what, what have we always heard about that? Bill Belichick tells their players, do not ever extend the ball. Do not ever extend the ball. Do not ever extend the ball regardless, right? Don't go for that, that play. And even earlier this year, Josh Jacobs said, and I, guess, I think it was week five against the, uh, the Chiefs when they went for that two-point conversion, and he said they always tell us don't extend the ball. Again, situational football because they don't want that ball knocked out of their hand, go out of, the, out of bounds and be a touchback, be a turnover. So, you know, for a team that I know preaches that all the time, it was so strange seeing the Patriots do what they do. But, again, I get it, young dudes – trying to make plays. Oh, you want me to go to Max Crosby? I thought you just had something great that you were going to say. All right. DeMond said, DeMond's the boss. At least on Twitter he is. He don't have no game, but he'll tweet it to you. I'm just kidding. Anyway, here's Max Crosby in the Raiders locker room following the game. Max, where were you and where, what was your vantage point? I was running after the ball, and he went to turn, and I hit the receiver. It was kind of late, but I've seen the ball go up in the air, and I've seen Chance snag it, and then it was over. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. He stiff-armed the dude who went to the crib. As crazy as that finish was, I mean, the win it was huge for y'all in terms of keeping you in the playoff hunt. I think yep. after the day, you guys are two games back. So yep. Having a win like this, I can just kind of prepare you guys in this last year. I thought about the Honestly, you know, it just it comes down to getting better every day. You know, we still have a lot of work to do. Um, we got to go to Pittsburgh, and uh, it's going to be cold, and it's going to be a hostile environment. So we just got to, you know, obviously get our bodies right, enjoy this tonight, and then, um, you know, we're back to work tomorrow. Max, everybody talks about playing through the four zeros, but that was literally the case. That It was on zero when that play yeah. unfolded. So what's the message there? You know, Coach talks about it all the time, 60 minutes, and, uh, you know, we've had a lot of games that are more than 60 minutes, so it's just, you know, it's every game this year, it seems like. Um, finally getting to close it out like that was was incredible. You know, these guys, you know, obviously the coaches wanted that win badly. Um, everyone in this locker room wanted it badly. Um, we just got to keep going and keep improving. So, uh, yeah, it's, you know, to win in this league is not easy, so we'll take whatever we can get. Max Crosby in the Raiders locker room. A little nugget right there at the end. You know, the coaches wanted this win badly. Something that you would not get any of the coaches to say last week or now. You know, how badly do you – we talked to Josh McDaniels tomorrow. If I said, hey, how badly did you want that win on Sunday? He'll tell you it's just another game. Just another game on the schedule. Now we're on to Pittsburgh. That's what he'll say. But you heard Max Crosby. Coaches wanted that one bad. P- players in the locker room wanted that one bad. That one meant something, right? We asked Chandler Jones after the game about making that play against his former team. It meant something to him, right? Deron Harmon, former Patriot. It meant something to him. Brandon Bolden, former Patriot, it meant something to him. I mean, it's just, it's just what it is. It, it's, it's just natural. It's, it's human nature. You can't help yourself. So uh, that was good stuff in the locker room, both from Hunter Renfro and Max Crosby. We also heard from Mac Hollins uh, earlier in the show, and, of course, Keelan Cole, who had that big touchdown catch. A couple more quick texts as we close out the show and make way for the Raider Roundtable with JT the Brick, George Atkinson, and myself. From the 702, before there were sales, you were always trying to get a female off the phone so you could use it. So suddenly they don't want to talk? I don't buy it, man. Dudes are fearing being rejected in person. That's a text from the 702. Not buying it, Damon. Not buying it. Not buying the uh, the the girls don't want to talk on the phone. 
And then Mailman Reader said, also, my dad got me a phone with only a certain amount of minutes, and we didn't have no house phone, so all I could do growing up was text. I wonder how many of us were that way as well. I don't know, man. I had uh, I had limited minutes as well, but I chose my limited minutes what, wisely, right? <laughs> I also had my quarters in my pocket for the payphone uh, whenever my pager went off. I'm just saying, duty calls. You got to answer the dial. The dial. That's all I'm saying. Demond, great job today in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Raider Roundtable's up next. Rare Nation Radio 920. Christmas Day triple header of NFL action. It all kicks off Sunday in sunny Miami at 9.30 as the Green Bay Packers